You know, a few uh, years back, Cindy and I were in Orlando, and we were at uh, Universal uh, Studios, and we decided we were going to ride one of the new roller coasters there. Now, this roller coaster, I mean, it had some serious drops, some corkscrews, some loops, and uh, even went forward and backwards. And uh, so we get in, they strap us in. Friends, it took off like a jet. <laughs> I mean, they, this ride was dizzying. You know, some of the twists and turns were almost disorienting to us. And uh, we would climb and climb and climb and almost get our breath. And then it would drop again. And the drops were so steep that you could feel it in your body. You know, people were screaming and yelling. I think we were screaming and yelling. But anyway... We're uh, just going, going on this, this ride, and I'm imagining people are hyperventilating, uh, other people were not even breathing at all, and with every twist and turn, I mean, we had no idea what was coming down the track for us, and they, we'd think we were going to go right. It kind of set you up, and then you'd go left all of a sudden, or you're going up, and then it would just drop immediately, and you would spiral. And bottom line, it was quite a ride. And I turned to Cindy as we were coasting in on the home stretch, and I go, this is our life. You know. Now, we had to spend a half hour recovering uh, afterwards, but that's a whole nother story. Friends, our lives are moving at incredible speeds. And life is full of these twists and turns. And what I've come to realize is that we better enjoy every dizzying, exhilarating moment. That we have to embrace every tearful and fearful moment in life. And we better cherish every inspiring moment that comes our way because this life it's like a roller coaster and before you know it the ride's over this life is temporal it's you know finite i'm reminded of this every time i'm at a funeral at a gravesite. I'm reminded life is brief. You know, I'm reminded that I do not have much control in this life. I, I don't get to decide the dates that they're going to put on my tombstone. I didn't get to decide when and where I was going to be born. And I have no idea when this ride's going to end. You know, it, it could be next week. It could be next year be 30 years down the track. I, I just don't know. Only God knows the time. Our lives are in God's hands. There's one thing you get to decide, and one thing only. You get to decide what's going to be in the dash between your birth and your death. You get to decide. And I wonder, how are you spending your time? It's your one and only life, and I would caution you to choose very, very, very carefully. You know, Alan Sachs says, death is more universal than life. 
Everyone dies, but not everybody lives. Something to think about. Now, I've been in uh, ministry more than 40 years now. And I've had the privilege, and I do mean privilege, of being with people in their last months, their last days, last hours of their life. And there's something that I have noticed with everyone. It's a characteristic that, that they share. You know, when they find out they're dying, that their days are numbered, that reality for them gave them incredible clarity in their life. They, they became very strategic, very calculated. You know, how they were going to spend their remaining time. They, they focused on relationships, their family, on God. The, the fact is they, they became very intentional about everything that they did. The things that they needed to say, the things they needed to do, the things that were important, they didn't put them off. They said it, and they did the things that they knew were important. They they lived life with what I'll say a do-it-now mentality. And they, they did that because they realized that the here and now was all they had. And people, I watched as they were transformed in their life. They were liberated in some ways. They started living with an urgency, taking risks, stepping up. And I have watched through the years with just pure amazement. People that were dying actually were living life to its fullest. And so... We're starting this series, if. And I, I wonder, what if, what if we were to live like we're dying? Because we are. I mean, what if you started saying the things that need to be said to the people that you love in your life? I mean, what if you started doing what needs to be done? What if you started living life with urgency right now? You know, that word if, it's full of possibilities, isn't it? If. It can change the way you see things. I mean, if can be redefining and it can be liberating. You know, the Apostle Paul, he says this, he says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as the wise, making the most of what? Every opportunity. Not some opportunities, every opportunity, because the days are evil. What if, what if? What if you started making use of every single opportunity that comes your way? And maybe I should say God-given opportunities. I mean, what if today is the only day you got? What are you going to do? You know, so it's time to check that heart that's inside your chest. Is this still beating? Go ahead, check. If it's still beating, well, guess what? It's not too late. It's not too late. 
today what I want to do, I want to look at a guy named David. David was not a shoulda, coulda, woulda been kind of guy. David, David lights it up everywhere he goes, right here, right now. He, he embraces. You know, David lived life to its fullest when you read his stories. You know, he embraced every moment as if it was his last. And what I want to look at is a what-if moment. It's early in David's life. And I think to fully understand it, you've got to understand the, the context, kind of look at the situation that's going on. But the Israelites are at war. They're at war with the Philistines. The Philistines, they, they come from the west coast uh, of Palestine. They had a corner on the iron market. And you go, well, so that meant shields, swords, chariots. They had lots of them. And, and the Philistines were well-trained at war. They were good at it. The Israelites, okay, they didn't have a formal army. They were uh, agricultural people. They were farmers. Saul is the king of Israel. And so he puts together kind of a makeshift army. You know, he's going to defend their borders because the Philistines are causing trouble at the border. And in addition to, to all this weaponry that the Philistines had, all this training, they had a giant warrior. And his name was Goliath. You may have heard of that. He's 9'6", brute. I mean, he's this giant of a man. And every day, he would just go down into the valley and he would yell up at the Israelites and he would taunt them. He would insult them. He'd insult their God. And every day, he'd throw out a challenge. He'd say, anybody that'll fight me, I'll fight you. One-on-one, it's a death match. Winner take all. Well, Scripture says, says this, 1 Samuel 17, verses 10 and 11. He says, Here and now I challenge Israel's whole army. Choose someone to fight me, anybody. Saul and his men heard what Goliath said, but they were so frightened of Goliath that they couldn't do a thing. Now, at the time... David, David's a young boy. He's tending sheep uh, for his father. But David had three brothers. They're serving in the makeshift army. David's father sends him to the battlefield. He sends him with food and supplies for his brothers. He, He wants information about how things are going. And when David arrives at the front line, It's quiet. There's no fighting. The Israelites, they're hiding in their tents. David's perplexed. He uh, asks his brothers, what's what's going on here? I thought this was a battle. And his brothers start telling him about Goliath. They're like, David, David, you, you should see this guy. I mean, he's huge. You know, he's got, his biceps are massive. You know, he's like a superhero, David. I'm telling you. You know, this guy can throw a spear the length of a football field. You know, every day he comes out, he challenges, but nobody will fight him. Everybody's afraid, David. 
I love it because in that moment, that instant, it was a what if for David. What if? What if? What if I do it? Now, what if with God's help, I take this guy out? And I'm sure, how many of you got brothers? <laughs> okay, I'm sure they're laughing at him at this point. Yeah. Oh, little Davy, eh, talking smack again. Aren't you cute? <laughs> oh, little Davy thinks he's a man. Ah. David, go back home to mama. Yeah. I mean, his, his brothers are like, are you serious? But David, David doesn't listen to him. He doesn't go home. Instead, David just starts talking to other people about it. I can fight this guy. Word gets back to the king. You know, when, when Saul hears about David, he has him summoned to his tent. Saul meets David for he sees a boy. He's like, have you lost your mind, son? You're, you're a child. You know, get your stuff, go back home. And David has to fight for the opportunity here. Even though nobody else is willing to take it, David persists. And he starts making a case for himself. He goes, I've, I've trained for this moment. I was made for this. You know, just, just give me an opportunity. You know, I, I, I have fought lions and bears. I've taken them out. And with God's help, I can take Goliath out. God will give me the victory. Paul or Saul, he should have fought Goliath. King Saul, we know he's about 6'8". Scripture says over and over he was head and shoulders above everyone else in the kingdom. And so I, I'm imagining, I mean, I just try and picture this. I'm imagining every morning when Goliath is throwing out the challenge to Israel, you know, saying, somebody, somebody come fight me. I imagine that Saul's kind of slouching a little bit hoping nobody notices that he's towering over everybody, hoping nobody expects him to fight this fight, shoulda, woulda, coulda been. Hmm. I've always wondered, this, this is how, how my brain works, I guess. I've always wondered, what if, what if Saul had risen to the challenge? See, I wonder, would his history, I mean, I'm thinking it might have been very, very different for him. Might have changed everything. David, I mean, he's the other end here. David's like, what if today is all I got? I don't want to waste this. This, this is my shot. You know, no regrets. What if, what if? See, David dreams a little bigger here. In fact, David stood a little taller that day. Saul offered David his armor. 
David tries it on. Now, David's a lot smaller than Saul. Puts it on, it's awkward, it doesn't fit. So David says, yeah, I don't need this stuff. Put yourself in David's shoes now. I want you to think about it. His heart probably pounding, beating hard. Goes down into the valley. He's going to face Goliath. We're told he picks up five smooth stones. He is ready to light it up, baby. Right here, right now. This is the moment. David, he's probably the distance of here from a pitcher to a catcher kind of thing. He takes one stone, puts it in his sling. He starts twirling. He's getting ready. And then he launches the stone. And I imagine it's coming like a rocket, you know, toward Goliath. He doesn't even have time to think, let alone move. Rock hits him in the head like a 44 Magnum. Boom. He's DOI, dead on impact. Boom. He drops him. Philistines, we're told, freak out. They take off running. And it's this amazing, amazing victory. You know, how many of you have heard that story before, David? See, that's how amazing it is. In fact, we're talking about it. I mean, what if? What if? I mean, what if David had not dreamed a little bigger that day? I mean, what if David had not stepped up and taken that opportunity? See, David had vision for his life. You know, people go, well, what's vision? Well, I believe it's the God-given ability to see the unseen. It's a God-given ability to see the impossible is actually possible. You know, what if, what if? I believe God wants us to be visionaries in our lives. And friends, when your vision's right... You refuse to be that person that shoulda, woulda, coulda been. You live from a very different perspective in life. Proverbs says this, where there's no vision, the people perish. I mean, what if, what if you could have vision for what God wants to do in your life? I mean, what if, as a church, we dreamed a little bit bigger than we are? Anyway, what if we were to give God everything we have, to give God our all? What if we lived life today like it's all you got? What if you were to live with a no-regrets policy in your life? What if you ask God for a vision? Vision for your life, for your relationships, for your marriage, for your career. I mean, what if? What if? It's not too late. 
I mean, how do you dream a little bigger? How do you get to know God's vision for your life? Well, friends, vision, you get that vision. And it starts in private. Private moments. You know, David, David started as a shepherd. So being a shepherd meant you spent a lot of time alone. Okay, you spent a lot of time with sheep, all right? Same thing. That's David's life. He spent a lot of time with the sheep. He spent a lot of time seeing opportunities around him. It's interesting because most scholars believe that David was highly intelligent. David, uh, we know he wrote music. He was a skilled musician. He was a military genius. Do you know today that some of his military strategies that he had as a king are actually studied at West Point? So you got this guy. He's brilliant. Off the chain here. And he's tending sheep. Not the most glamorous job, is it? But David didn't whine. David didn't go, okay, God, what's the deal here? You know, what am I doing here? You know, I deserve better. No, David, David instead, he spends that time getting closer to God. David is very faithful with all the opportunities that come before him. He's out in that pasture. He'd see a lion. It's threatening the flock. He'd kill the lion. No applause. No applause. You know, he wasn't on ESPN, top 10 plays, you know. Think about this. David did what David did because that's what David did. He stepped up. God always gives vision in those private moments. Friends, God tests you in private. The opportunities first come in private. And when you rise to the opportunity, when you're faithful in obscurity, hear this, when you're faithful and nobody sees it, God will promote you then. I mean, what if today's the only day you got? You don't want to waste it. I mean, it could be your last shot here. You take the opportunities. Why? So you have no regrets in the end. You don't look back and go, what if I'd have done that? See, a faith, friends, that's never been tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. See, we're tested in private. It says, and without faith, it is what? Oh, come on. Without faith, it is what? It's impossible to please God because everyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Here's the problem with society. We live in a culture and a world that wants instant gratification. We want it all and we want it when? Now. 
You know, our tendency, we, we want instant marital bliss. We want instant success. We want the promotion when? Now. You know, we want spiritual maturity immediately. We want recognition immediately. David, David doesn't take any shortcuts. David doesn't take any shortcuts from the pasture to the palace. David doesn't skip the process. It doesn't work that way. David did not waste any opportunities that were before him. Whether he was out on the hillside all alone, getting to know God, tending sheep, or whether he was facing a lion, a bear, or maybe even a giant. And for some reason, we tend to think, well, I could skip those steps. I should be able to skip that. Friends, hear this. If you do not learn to embrace the private opportunities that God gives you, you will never arrive at what you think you deserve. In fact, your life will be reduced to a shoulda, woulda, coulda been. But what if? What if you embraced every God-given opportunity that's put before you? What if? You know, maybe you're working in a warehouse somewhere, kind of working in obscurity. I I know how this goes. You're, You're thinking, well, this doesn't really matter. You know, no one, no one even knows I'm here. You know, God doesn't care about what I'm doing. You're wrong. You're absolutely wrong. You know, maybe you're thinking, well, you know, I'm just an associate at the firm. You know, I'll wait until I have my own firm and then I'll give it all. You would be wrong. That will mess you up. I mean, what if today's all you got? What if God has placed you where you are right now, here and now? And what if God put you there? Because he's preparing you for something much bigger. What if, what if, what if? It's why Jesus said this. He says, the master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful. Catch this. In handling the small amount, the small things, the small opportunities. So now, I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. I was thinking, I've shared this before, but I I was kind of reminiscent again about working at Kroger when, when I was younger. I was in college, well, high school and college actually, but... I was working there. I was a night crew manager. I was the only Christian on that shift. Now, I was going to church. I was spending time in God's word, praying, seeking God. I was trying to be a witness to people, you know, giving, trying to give God my very best that I had. You know, I was trying to be faithful. And please hear me, not perfect, okay? But I was trying to be faithful to God. And as I'm rubbing shoulders with my coworkers, you know, guys that really God was kind of uh, off the radar for them, 
as I was building relationships with them, I really realized they were close to Christianity. You know, but I just kept at it with them. And I started making progress. And finally, I invited a guy to come to church with me. And he agreed. Friends, we walked into church. And we sat down and the service started. I realized I'd made the biggest mistake of my life with him. Everything is really uh, archaic. In fact, I think we might as well have been in a foreign language. Because he sat there and it was just like, no, just blank, no connection. All the ground that I'd gained with him, just watched it evaporate. And friends, I, I watched helplessly. And that, that moment haunted me. It disturbed me. Because for the first time, I, I looked at the church through their eyes. Here's the strange thing. I started dreaming. I mean, what if? What if? I mean, what, what if there was a church, and whether you're a biblical scholar or you're clueless, what if there was a church that you could understand, that you could connect? And I mean, what if there was a church that the music was more like what my friends were listening to? You know, what if there was a church that would love people just the way they are? And friends, I began envisioning faith fellowship. I did not know it was faith fellowship, all right? In other words, I didn't think, oh, faith fellowship, I'll be the leader of that church someday. That's not how it went. God just spoke to my spirit. And I I can't fully explain it all. But what I do know is I started embracing and seizing every moment that God put before me. And I just go, God, I'm listening. I'm watching. See, private, private moments. Nobody noticed it at the time. For years. But friends, those were powerful moments that were all about what if, what if. Friends, with every what if in life, there is a level of uncertainty in it. Vision and uncertainty cannot be separated. I know some of you are going, oh, Damon, you messed it up. You mean vision and certainty. No, vision and uncertainty cannot be separated. Some of you are squandering your opportunities that God has given you because you're waiting for certainty in your life. With every opportunity that is God-given, there is an element of risk. There always is. If you drive at night, what do you do before you put the car in drive besides put on your seatbelt? 
What do you do? Turn on the lights. You turn on the lights. Why? So you can see what's in front of you, right? So you can see it. But the problem is you can't see everything, can you? I mean, how do you see past where the lights quit illuminating? As you drive, right? As you drive, the road gets clearer down the road. It's how vision works in life. God turns on the light and he shows you just enough so that you can move forward. God says, okay, here's where I want you to go. Here's where I want you to go with your family. Here's where I want you to go with the church. Here's where I want you to go vocationally. You don't put it in neutral. You don't stop. You drive. You've got to drive. God says, you got to keep going. You got to trust me. You got to have faith. When David's tending the sheep, do you think that David knew while he's protecting the sheep that one day he would fight Goliath? Do you? Probably not. Do you you think David realized when he was practicing the harp that someday he would play for King Saul in the palace? I don't think so. Do you think David knew that, that King Saul would try and kill him at some point? In fact, do you think David knew with confidence that he'd be the next king? I mean, he'd been told that from a young age, but he had to be going, is this really going to happen? My point is, there was a lot of uncertainty for David. You know, what if? I mean, what if? You know, I look back on, on this church. Almost every major decision that I've ever made was riddled with uncertainty. You know, we started in a, in a home, moved to the mall. You know, Lewis and Clark, Alton Little Theater, Alton High School. And every time we moved, there was uncertainty. We were like, well, how long are we going to be here? You know, where are we going to next? You know, is this going to work out? What, what's going to be different here? You know, where's God leading us? Lots and lots of uncertainties. But we just kept moving, kept driving. Wasn't sure what was way down the road, but we knew what was in front of us. And then, then we started looking for land, building options, financing, how we were going to raise the funds, a lot of uncertainty. In fact, just look around you for a moment. Think about what you've experienced this morning. All uncertainties. You know, people ask me often, they'll go, did you plan all this? No. But God did. God did. We, we worked hard. We faithfully followed to the best of our ability. But we seized the opportunities 
that were before us. And so here's what I want you to get today. If you are uncertain today, good for you. You're right where God wants you to be. Keep trusting God. God will keep revealing himself to you. He'll reveal through scripture, through other Christians, through the Holy Spirit, you know, through anointed teaching or music. God is giving you some opportunities. Every single person here has opportunities before him right now. You got to live with urgency. You know, what if? What if? If it's a God-given opportunity, If it is, if your heart's still beating, guess what? It's not too late. It's not too late. Friends, live like today's all you got. Be faithful. It's the only way to know regrets. You know, dream a little bigger. Some of you need to dream bigger. You know, burn a little bit brighter, whether it be at school or work or wherever. You know, dig a little deeper. Reach just a little bit further than you're reaching right now. And love a little, well, a lot more. Love a lot more. I mean, what if you lived that way? What if you were to seize the God-given opportunities that are before you today? Well, I can tell you one thing. In the end, when you take your last breath, there will be no what if I had done that. Change your life. Change the way you're living. It becomes a very full life at that point. Let's bow in a word of prayer together. Our holy God, God, I just pray that uh, your Holy Spirit would just whisper to everyone right now. There's the opportunity. It may have been before him for a long time. God, I just pray you just point it out. That it would nag them until they take the opportunity and step up. God, forgive us the opportunities that you've placed before us and we just dismissed it. We didn't step up because, well, nobody's going to see it. Nobody's going to know. God, forgive us of that. God, help us to live life wide open, faithful, obedient. And God, when the track kind of twists on us, to just trust you. To just trust you that better days are ahead. God, we give you the glory for what we say, what we do.
God, help us to be faithful. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. All God's people said, we're going to celebrate in communion today. And um, if you didn't get an element, just raise your hand. The ushers will bring bring one down. And if you haven't been with us before, these these are a little tricky. There's two tabs. Uh, take the top tab off, and that'll ex- expose the, the wafer. And uh, Every time I'm, I'm reminded at communion that uh, none of us are worthy, and I always bring the failings of my life to God, I'd encourage you to uh, do that this morning and to also know that when we partake, it's a reminder Jesus paid the debt. It's all been, we get a start new every day, every morning, every minute. It's a new day, new day. So let's bow in prayer for a second. God, we thank you for what this stands for. It's communion, Lord, that your body was broken for us, that you spilled your blood to wash away our sins, to make us whole. And God, we lay all of our sins before you, those shortcomings. God, I thank you that we are made clean, new. God, I always marvel your great love that sent your son to this world to die for us. God, may we always remember and not take that for granted. God, we give you glory. We thank you for this opportunity. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. I invite you to take the wafer. You can break it or leave it whole. And Jesus' body was broken for you, given up for you. And likewise, partake of the cup, knowing that he spilled his blood for you. God, we thank you. We thank you for that love. God, help us to live accordingly. God, help us to love people better, to be more faithful, to live life to its fullest. We give you the glory and the praise this day. Amen. Go in peace. May the love of God go with you and... uh, Seize opportunities this week. Seize opportunities.